this week on the Backtable Podcast. When you're used to doing a procedure in one way, your brain and your whole body like resists to this idea of using a new thing because there are a lot of pressure from the administration about procedure times, there's GA time, and you know what you're doing already, you have a technique, why would you use a new device? And these are the things that I was experiencing in the beginning. And then the more I introduce ice into my tips practice, the better I got. And uh, my procedure times got lower and um, the stick times are like one or two. And I love to see the vessels in real time. It's other fun part of it. Also, I'm able to align the stents and just see real time if there are any problems during the procedure. everyone and welcome to the Backtable podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. Reach new lengths and maximize your impact by treating more diseased vein with the non-thermal venous seal closure system. The venous seal closure system delivers permanent superficial vein closure with its proprietary medical adhesive formula, which is backed by long-term data. Learn more at medtronic.com slash venusseal. Now, back to the episode. I'm your host today, Dr. Ali Behetti, coming to you from Tacoma, Washington. And my guest today is Dr. Merve Ozen, Assistant Professor of Vascular and Interventional Radiology at University of Kentucky. Our topic today is introducing ice-guided tips into your practice. Merve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Allie, for having me. Before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about the program at UK? Of course. We are a ACGME accredited program. We have an ESIR track, and we are just approved for the independent IR residency. And our residents get to do lots of procedures during their rotations, and um, our diagnostic radiology residents are great. They get to do like very useful procedures, even though they don't do IR. They can go to private practice and perform different kind of procedures. So we have a great program. Very cool. Very cool. How many attendings do you have uh, right now doing full-time IR? Uh, Right now we have six attendings and next year we'll have one more. Awesome. And then how many residents a year do you guys take? Two IR residents and... I think next year we'll have more. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that you guys got an independent spot. That's really fantastic. So tell me a little bit about this topic. You've approached the Backtable team with the idea of introducing ice tips into your practice. What made you interested in this? I think as an interventional radiologist, we should introduce new devices and have as many tools as we can reach to give the best treatments and the best care for our patients. And if you're not very uh, used to a new device, it's really difficult to incorporate it while you're starting your practice as a junior attending. And I had great partners who uh, helped me to use this device. And also, when you're used to doing a procedure in one way, your brain and your whole body like resists to this idea of using a new thing because there are a lot of pressure from the administration about procedure times, there's GA time, 
and you know what you're doing already, you have a technique, why would you use a new device? And these are the things that I was experiencing in the beginning. And then the more I introduced eyes into my tips practice, the better I got. And uh, my procedure times got lower and um, the stick times are like one or two. And I love to see the vessels in real time. It's other fun part of it. Also, I'm able to align the stance and just see real time if there are any problems during the procedure. For sure. It's kind of become like a safety blanket for me, you know, like doing it with ice guidance. So I'm glad to hear that you're kind of going through the same thing as I am. So now do you pretty much do all of your tips with ice guidance? Yes, I do. Even for the straightforward cases, um, I would like to get better at controlling the device. And sometimes I don't have a second hand to um, use the probe. So I have to do the needle access and the probe at the same time. So that allows me to get better at it. And it just takes time to learn how to navigate the probe. And then the more you do it, the better you get during the difficult cases like thrombos, portal veins, or like Batchiari. Okay, well, let's hop right into it. Walk me through the machine that you use for your ice-guided tips. We have a Ecuson SC2000 ultrasound machine, and uh, we use the Ecunav probe. They come in 8 French and 10 French sizes, and it requires about 40 centimeter sheath. And it has 5 to 10 megahertz uh, frequency. The images are almost like hand fan-shaped images, almost like a curvilinear shape. And during the procedure, I like to have good communication with my team, especially with our residents or fellows. And that's why I like to get the vampire stick and vampire access side by side. I think it's very useful to have both accesses side by side. Um, sometimes you can like, okay, now you get the access, I'm going to control it. And you have the screen in front of you. And during the procedure, it is real difficult to scream and communicate with each other when there is a femoral access. And if you don't have an accessory monitor, it's a big strain for the neck. So that's why I prefer the double IJ access. Interesting. Okay. Because I've been doing it the opposite way, kind of for maybe, I guess, similar reasons. So the way I trained, we do IJ access for your tips needle, right? And then I do femoral vein access for the ice probe. But you're right. You need to have two operators there to be able to run it that way. It's such an ergonomic thing, but you have to find a place to put the monitor where both of you can see it if you don't have a, a slave monitor to it. Um, but that's kind of the way that we found it. And that's just how I do it. So I'm like not up in anybody's business, right? But I want to learn how you're able to hold the probe with one hand and then stick with the other hand. Is that how you do it right now? It's definitely more challenging to do both by yourself. I will first like scan the whole liver, find a very good spot. And if you have a one image that shows the portal vein and your needle, that's great. Then you can just lock your device and maybe put some wet towels on it, just stabilize it and then um, start moving your needle. And if you have a oblique trajectory, 
while you're advancing, you can just tilt tiny bit with your right hand and go step by step. But it's always nice to have another hand on your side who can like navigate the probe for you. Awesome. Any specific stuff you want to talk about for the probe settings that maybe like early operators might not do right that would mess up their procedure? I think the best way to start the procedure is getting everything ready. And like you're cooking, you have to make all your vegetables and everything else. So make sure you have every device in the room and you need to have a good probe cover and the connection of the probe and the ultrasound machine sometimes can be challenging and sometimes it doesn't click right and there you don't have an image. And for some devices, you can re-sterilize and reuse the device, which can decrease the cost. And in those instances, if the probe use two, three times, then you may have difficulties with imaging and because the connections can get broken. So after the connection, you need to adjust the gain like you're doing a regular ultrasound, gain and depth, and then take your time, scan, understand your anatomy um, before introducing and trying to get access. Otherwise, you can get really frustrated. And I like to um, have my tips access more stable, medial, and the ice access more lateral. This is a tip that I learned from my colleagues. And then you can ask your co-pilot to um, just turn left and right, and um, you'll have more robust access with your tips needle. The ice probe has these toggles on it, the right-left toggles and the up-down toggles, right? I don't use any of that stuff. Do you use any of those? Sometimes I try. Like, it just comes naturally. Oh, let me try this. Let's see if I'm going to get a better image. And I just luck it that way. But I can't say that I love them or I, I don't have any <laughs> preference. I don't think they give a lot of um, information for me. But I'm sure we can learn more from our cardiology colleagues about those knobs. Just for those of you who haven't used the probe yet, but basically those toggles just rotate and torque the tip of the probe so that it goes in a different direction so that your um, your ultrasound waves are shooting more oblique than just straight lateral to the probe. Okay, so so you get your access. You said there's 8 French, 10 French device. Do you use the 8 French device? 8 French. And then um, you do your vampire stick. You get your tips sheathed down. You put your ice probe down. You get the lay of the land. Yeah, we need to make sure that the sheath doesn't cover the probe. It affects the quality of the image. That's one thing that I pay attention to. And I like to save my images and send it for educational purposes. I like that uh, needle stick. And there will be one tech that can hand you that non-sterile portion and that connection is really important. And sometimes when you, you're not able to turn on a machine, the first thing you need to check if that machine is plugged in. It's a very simple thing, but that happens a lot. So yeah, after the access, I introduce both of my sheets and I start scanning with my ultrasound. And I still like to keep the CO2 setup ready just in case. Oh, because oh, um, okay. I, I don't I don't want to lose my skills because in case I my probe breaks down and in case the machine is not working, you know, 
these things happen. And um, I like to have that ready just in case. Uh, just to be clear, though, for people who haven't used ice before, you shouldn't do a CO2 portogram beforehand because it will mess up your ice pictures. Yeah, it's just plan B, plan C. And um, other thing is, I think once you get into the IVC, you need to understand the anatomy. Take your time to scan before jumping into the access. In the beginning, it may be intimidating to understand the structures, follow the hepatic vein and the portal vein, and find a good trajectory. And depending on where you are, there are a couple different access sets. And for calipinto needles, depending on the liver's density, I feel like with the push, you may have a little bit more different curve, and it may be difficult to see that needle tip under real-time ultrasound. So I think using Roshishita needle overcomes that challenge because you basically angle your stiff uh, sheath and then everything is already set and you have the tension already and you can just insert the inner uh, needle. And a lot of people like to use Roshishita needle more than Calipinto for ice access because of that. Yeah, I think if you have Roshishita, even like I've experienced this so many times, I can see my needle is in the portal vein, but I can't get blood back. And then I, when I flush my needle, I see a little piece and Roshishita overcomes that challenge. Yeah, I um, think that's just a training difference too thing. I've been using the um, the ring set with the Colapinto needle and, and I feel like I can see that needle better than the Roshishita, just be honestly, because it's bigger. Um, and I can just put a little extra curve on it, you know, before I put it in. And I haven't had any issues with that. But I have heard other operators say that they find the Roshishita more comfortable for that exact reason. So you've lined it up on your ice. Can you describe to the uninitiated what you're looking for on your ice image before you stick? I think even before ice, image, the imaging, the prior CT imaging is so important if you have one, doing reconstructions and planning for the procedure, because you can have different variations. You may need to access the middle hepatic instead of right hepatic. You may have an accessory right hepatic. And um, that gives me a lot of information. And once I introduce my ultrasound, everything makes more sense. And the best thing is seeing the portal vein and the hepatic vein on the same plane. That's the best case scenario. Then you just advance your needle and just one stick. But sometimes you can find a tiny portal vein branch and you can try to aim that. And the other important part of the access is you need to understand where you're going to start introducing your needle. Tell me more about that. You need to have almost like a two, three centimeter throw. And you need to start a little bit like above the portal vein. So when you throw your needle, you'll get into the portal vein. So it may take some time to understand where to start throwing your needle. Just keep in mind that if you're having a hard time finding the needle or if you're going too lateral to it, just pull back and aim more medial and advance it towards the portal vein. 
Have there been times when you're starting out where you felt like your needle was in the portal vein on imaging on the ultrasound, but you weren't getting blood return? Does that just mean you're just a little bit off on the trajectory with your ice? And if so, what do you do to compensate? So as I said before, one thing that I experience is having clot in my needle or a little piece of liver, or you're at the wall, so you can go through and through the vein and then pull back a little bit like we're getting into the IJ. Sometimes you need to go a little bit beyond. That's one thing. You can flush your needle back and put it back and try again, or um, you can advance more and pull back gently and try to get blood through the needle. Any other troubleshooting that you've encountered with the actual ice stick? Besides the technical stuff like having connection issues, when you're trying to advance the needle and there is a big distance and it's hard to connect those A and B spots that are coming A and B, and um, it may take time to understand where you need to go. Like, am I going posterior or am I going lateral? So it just takes time to understand that 3D structures and the best way to get used to it is doing more and more and getting practice. And I think looking at the CT angiogram prior to the procedure helps a lot with that. Have there been any challenging cases, like you mentioned, bud carry cases? How do you do those differently than like your straightforward ice tips? I use the same steps, get access and and the most important part of the procedure in that case is finding where to access the vein and see the patency of the vein. And uh, you can see the thrombus real time if there's any thrombosis in the portal vein. And when you're aligning your stent, you can see the uncovered portion really well. And I, I love that part. I love that to see that uncovered portion and you can open the stent real time and you don't have to use a lot of radiation. And um, the most rewarding part of the ice-guided TIPS procedure is the time. Yeah. And uh, the, <laughs> the fluoroscopy time. And like everybody's happy. Technologists, nurses, general anesthesia, everybody was like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> Good. It's like a cheat code almost. It's like you feel like a magician because you're like, oh, man, these usually take five hours. And you're like, well, not anymore. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> I feel like in 20 years, everybody's going to use ultrasound for tips. And they're, yeah, like, oh, these old guys were sticking the portal vein blindly. <laughs> That's how they're going to talk about us. So actually, that brings up a really good point. Um, I've had these discussions with other academic IRs because like at a lot of institutions, everybody is doing ice tips, right? Like you said 100% of your tips are ice tips. Out in the private practice world, we don't always have access to the ice machine. Are there situations where you, you're like, well, this is a straightforward case. I want to teach my residents how to do a regular old tips. Or have you guys had that discussion internally with the other academic attendings? There are people who prefer just CO2 conventional angiogram for the procedure so residents get to see different types. And I also don't want to lose that skill. Um, in case I have problems with the device or if I end up not having that machine at all. And um, the discussion is like I'm in a place where people support new devices and um, new technologies and I'm 
lucky in that term. But yeah, I, I would love to keep my conventional skills alive in case something happens as a plan B. Cool, cool. Yeah, because um, some attendings I've talked to have been like, it's so much easier and faster to do an ice tip. So I just, I feel like it's in a patient's best interest to have it if possible, rather than having multiple sticks. But you're also kind of balancing that with you need to train residents who maybe aren't going to be working in a place where that's available. Speaking of that, if a hospital has an EP lab, is there a pretty good chance that they're going to have an ice machine? That's a great question. I don't know, really. Yeah, I don't know either. But that'd be nice to know because you mentioned that you had been borrowing it from cardiology for a while before you guys got your own. How many cases did you have to do before the administration was supportive for you to get your own? I was a very baby junior attending then. And I, <laughs> I was trying to understand how like the device purchasing things work and it can get really slow. I think it's a very good question for my chief and um, he takes care of those kind of things. So we're kind okay. of lucky. <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. Okay, any other uh, barriers you see to starting this program at a community hospital? When you're starting as a new attending, it's difficult to bring your own practice because you train in a certain way and you go to somewhere else and there's already a established way of doing things. And at first you may get a lot of resistance from different areas. But if you keep doing the same thing that you're doing and people eventually start helping you out and understanding what you're trying to do. And for the ice guided tips, I was lucky to have two partners, amazing partners who were like very enthusiastic about bringing this device to our practice. And that helped us to support each other and give hand to each other during difficult cases because sometimes you can't do it all. You need team workers that can um, be by your side during tough cases. Absolutely, yeah. The way that we kind of do it in my group is I do all mine with ice, right? But if one of my partners wants to do it, I'll try to make myself available um, or have somebody else who I've kind of proctored to do the ice tips available. So you always have two operators. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how the old guys, like when they first started doing tips, they always had two IRs available Mm -hmm. just because it's, I mean, it's honestly one of the scariest procedures we do. Exactly. And that's the best part of IR. I love the teamwork and I love the excitement during the procedures and feeling accomplished and doing great things as a team. I think it's the best feeling. But mostly I like it when anesthesia is like, wow, you're already done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to hear. Uh, But I keep their uh, expectations low just in case something bad happens. You're like, oh, this is going to take about five or six hours. Uh, (laughs) Clear the schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, this is kind of like a primer into into the ice tips. It piggybacks a little bit on what um, Emmett Linsky talked about in his Tips University series also. Are there any other parting words of wisdom that you have for folks that might want to start doing this in their practice? First thing first is take your time. It's going to be challenging in the beginning. It has a steep learning curve, uh, but we are all great radiologists. Once we do a couple cases, our 
eyes get used to it and we become great at it. So I think allowing yourself to learn the process is very important. And during the procedure, finding the starting point from the hepatic vein and having the ultrasound during the ultrasound part is very important. If you feel like you're not in the right trajectory, just pull back and redirect your needle. And the procedure safety is similar to the literature, like conventional and ice-guided tips as similar safety data, but most important two different techniques are the procedure time and the fluoroscopy time. And TIPS is a long procedure and it's best to have less radiation for us and for the patients. Overall, yeah, I think it's a great tool and I think we should introduce these tools in our everyday procedures and you can use it for different things once you uh, start using it in your uh, daily practice. Sure, yeah. Oh, any interesting tales that you have about other things you use ice for? Yeah, so uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Galupo, and I and Dr. Diaby did a percutaneous creation of portal mesenteric. Like, we created a new track, and we um, presented in the extreme IR session during SIR, so that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? Is once we start using it, we'll find more and more uses for it. And hopefully, you know, it'll become a part of our armamentarium. Okay, Mervid, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about this topic. It's always my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza, and Ali Behetti. Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon, with support from Caleb Hodson, Josh McWhorter, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz. Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson. And Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Anne Dang. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.